Okay. Might as well get started. <laughs> All right. Today we're going to talk about the ideas leave not their source or AKA we never left home. <laughs> so there's a lot of, a lot of interesting references in the course about that idea. So uh, I just made some, some notes here. Uh, ideas, the ideas never left their source theme is a vitally important one in the course's metaphysics. And one of the most daunting to fully integrate since we made up an entire universe uh, to use as propagand propaganda against this understanding. <laughs> so once again, we can afford to be patient and gentle with ourselves as we notice the resistance and allow Holy, Holy Spirit to help us undo that. So it also explains why the golden rule applies on the level of the mind. And if we deal with our choice of thought system by choosing Holy Spirit instead of ego, we needn't be too concerned about behavior or form. Something to ponder. And it also fits beautifully with the metaphor of our prodigal dreaming and how we'll all wake up from the silliness of believing in separation when we're ready, inevitably. So... I thought for an opening meditation, I would read a little bit um, from page 148 to 149 in the text, if you want to read along with me, and then we'll do a little uh, quiet meditation for a few moments. Uh, this is from the text, chapter eight, section six, uh, paragraph four, the first four sentences. So it goes, listen to the story of the prodigal son and learn what God's treasure is and yours. The son of a loving father left his home and thought he had squandered everything for nothing of any value, although he had not understood its worthlessness at the time. He was ashamed to return to his father because he thought he had hurt him. Yet when he came home, the father welcomed him with joy because the son himself was his father's treasure. He wanted nothing else. So we can just ponder that for a few moments. Gently come back. Any thoughts about the prodigal metaphor from anyone? Uh, Lynn Allman. Uh, I, <clears throat> I can never hear that without just falling apart. I just, you know, it just cuts right through all of the, I, do, I think I'm doing so well learning what I really am, and then the idea of being a treasure. <laughs> when all I see is the sin, guilt, fear, or within, it's just 
phenomenal. So I really appreciate the reminder once more. It's wonderful. Good, thanks, thanks. Yeah, and 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 it's not our separate selves that's the treasure. It's it's the self that we all share that we we long for, and we know that's where we're headed, <laughs> on some level or another. We we you know like the forgotten song and and uh, like lesson one eighty two and things like that in the course that in, in this this passage too you know, kind of you know gives us a reminder that's like you know we're gonna we're gonna find this thing and it's and we're gonna discover it's everyone and everything and we don't have to give up anything in fact we just have to give up the nothingness that we made up <laughs> yeah thanks Lynn. anyone else this is maya hi maya hi yeah i just wanted to say i just feel the the tenderness of that um that tender reassurance and which i choose to believe is true yeah yeah and it's it's not personal at all. It's it's just oh. uh, it's just uh, absolutely inclusive, huh? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, no specialness. Exactly. So that last sentence, he he wanted nothing else. I, I'm kind of reminded. Uh, I didn't put this in my notes, but it reminds me of something, and. One of Richard Bach's books, which I, I I like a lot of what he did in years past, and one one of the uh, things I think it might have been in Illusions, where um, his his traveling companion was asking him, you know, how difficult was it for you to learn to fly? And he said, well, that was easy because I couldn't think of anything else. I mean, he was like that was his obsession. And I was thinking, well, when trusting Holy Spirit becomes our, our one and only obsession, then it will be easy. <laughs> it's just that right now we have kind of a mixed bag of, of, of interests and, you know, we, we're going in different directions, but eventually we'll look at all these other directions that, that our ego is pulling us and, and see that, yeah, well, there's a dead end. Okay. I can check that one off the list. <laughs> oh, that one's, that one didn't take me anywhere. Okay. Knock that one off the list. And then it, pretty soon, you know, we start realizing by generalizing, it's like, well, everything that we've tried to make work out in a, in a, a dream of specialness hasn't cut it for us and and slowly but surely we you know get more and more aligned with the idea that's like okay the only thing that really is left that works is is just locking our mind's tractor beam on on the holy spirit signal and following that home huh so okay i, I made a few other comments here when i was thinking about the ideas leave not their source uh, when we want nothing else besides the treasure waiting in our mind that God has kept inviolate for us, our eternally, infinitely, all-inclusively shared innocence, we will have nothing else. The importance of the course principle that ideas don't leave their source can't be overestimated, nor the patience required for us to learn what this truly means with Holy Spirit's mentoring. As always, the course helps us see the contrast of how two thought systems see, in quotes, reality in mutually exclusive and diametrically opposed ways, even though truth has no opposite. So our opposition, AKE ego, is completely made up. <laughs> we, we made up this alleged opposition, right? So at some point we'll see that that was, that was part of the dream. Okay, juxtaposed side by side, the course presents the sanity of Holy Spirit's gentle awakening call, beckoning us to return to source with egos harsh Soporific. I had to learn that. Look that up because I, I thought, I thought that's what I, 
you know, I, I looked up the word because I wasn't sure what it meant, but I think I th thought it was the right word. So anyway, I, and you're assuming we do. Well, no, no, I was going to, I was going to look up, <laughs> I was going to share what I found, <laughs> not, oh, to worry. Okay, okay. Not, not to worry. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, okay. And, and so soporific means tending to induce drowsiness or sleep. Okay. So I'll, now I'll read that again with that definition. With the ego's harsh soporific uh, dirge diverting us from its fraudulent cause. Okay. The imagined source of our upset is the setup is obscured by the world and we face enormous resistance to looking at the cause of our unhappiness, which is unfounded unconscious guilt. A testament to the amazing power of our minds to overlearn a fake identity is our tendency to not look at ego's insanity. We should not underestimate the ego's intense fear of looking at this horror movie lest we get blindsided. Fortunately, we're reminded that our innocence, eternally and all-inclusively shared by all, not just some, isn't subject to our dreams and truth. Although we can keep hitting the snooze alarm on the Holy Spirit's wake-up call for many lifetimes in our Groundhog Day movie fantasy until we just can't tolerate any more ego abuse. <laughs> anyway, what, what came to mind when I was thinking about this? So here's a few pep talks, pep talks that the course gives us uh, for motivation before we go further. And the first one's on page 88 in the text. And that's uh, in chapter five, section six, and it's paragraph 10. So page 88, chapter five, section six, paragraph 10. And I, this, I'm just reading some of my favorite <laughs> ideas, <laughs> unabashed favorites here. Um, and it starts, you need not fear the higher court will condemn you. It will merely dismiss the case against you. There can be no case against a, a child of God and every witness to guilt in God's creations is bearing fal false witness to God himself. Appeal everything you believe gladly to God's own higher court because it speaks for him and therefore speaks truly. It will dismiss the case against you, however carefully you have built it up. The case may be foolproof, but it is not God-proof. <laughs> that's, that's the line I got in boldface because I love that. It's just, I think that's so helpful. The Holy Spirit will not hear it because he can only witness truly. His verdict will always be, thine is the kingdom because he was given to you to remind you of what you are. So obviously that's the model he's asking us to follow is, you know, when we think, think about other people or or other things or whatever uh, to dismiss the case in our minds that we've built up and to notice how often as egos we want to do that and just say, whoa, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> and, and the quicker we can catch that, the sooner we can get back on the, you know, the Holy Spirit's tractor beam of, of heading back to the, the peace that we never left. And then this is just a one-liner, so you don't, you don't need to turn to the page, but it's on page 467 if you want to find it. It's in the very first paragraph in the introduction uh, in, uh, to chapter 22. Very short sentence, but I think it has a lot, of, a lot of oomph. And that is, take pity on yourself so long enslaved. We just, <laughs> we can just remember to be kind to ourselves, you know? And then that kindness then applies to 
again to everyone we meet if, if we if we really internalize that and let holy spirit you know uh help us marinate in it and and just kind of soak soak that in and and realize that we don't need to be enslaved you know that 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 era is over uh here's another one uh, a couple of paragraphs from chapter 22 also this is section three uh, paragraph six and uh okay this is this is uh, the happy inevitability of joining. Oh, I take back. No, I, I actually wrote a little bit first. <laughs> that's why. It, that's why I didn't have quotes. Okay, the happy inevitability of joining Jesus' mind training crew and returning to our right mind. We can afford to be really, really grateful for the feedback system built into our classroom. Holy Spirit helps us slowly turn up the sensitivity to psychological pain to maximum, which is really a very good thing. Um, how can we escape from the ego's mad? Machiavellian machine, unless we pay attention to even our most minor discomforts, which are the same nothing, in quotes, as the, as the alleged major catastrophes. Dreamt hangnails and dreamt holocausts are the same hallucination in content, though the form may vary. So it's, it's learning, reminding ourselves that, you know, a minor upset uh, is the same as a, a big, a big deal upset. <laughs> and the the distinctions that we think are, are uh, important eventually fade away and we realize, well, everything that disrupts my peace is a, a, a suitable lesson. And, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us turn up the sensitivity on, on that so that, you know, we then instead of glossing over things that would have tripped us up, we say, oh, well, there's, there's a discomfort. There's even you know, just a minor little upset can be a classroom in forgiveness where we see that there's another way of looking at things. You know, we could see peace instead of the upset. Yeah. So here's the, here's the quote. It's just one, one paragraph from chapter 22, section three, uh, paragraph six, and that's on page 475 through 476. These eyes made not to see will never see. For the idea they represent left not its maker and it is their maker that sees through them. So he's obviously talking about <laughs> the eyes of form that we made up just so we could stay mesmerized by the dream. Huh? What was its maker's goal, but not to see? For this, the body's eyes are perfect means, but not for seeing. See how the body's eyes rest on externals and cannot go beyond. Watch how they stop at nothingness, unable to go beyond the form to meaning. And this is the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the knockout line here. Nothing so blinding as perception of form. For sight of form means understanding has been obscured. So the fact that, and it's really not, uh, so I, I made some notes here about the, you know, that, that, um, important line of nothing so blinding as perception of form. The side of form here refers to buying ego's dubious misinterpretations about everything. Always some variation of subtly or not so subtly reinforcing guilt through projection. The last thing ego would want to consider is overlooking any opportunity to use the world's challenges as justification for victimhood, martyrdom and perpetuation of the ceaseless guilt attack event cycle. 
So, you know, there's, there's the hungry dogs of fear, the hungry dogs of guilt, the hungry dogs of <laughs> making big deals out of stuff in the world that keep us imprisoned as separate selves at the mercy of the world, right? So, but the Holy Spirit says, eh, out of my courtroom. <laughs> Nothing happened here. <laughs> Move along, not the droids you're looking for. Pick your, pick your metaphor du jour. Any comments on, on this so far? The, uh, that, that story about the prodigal son, and I think you even used the phrase, um, pro it, it wasn't so much that he actually left, but it was a prodigal dream. Hmm. I mean, basically, he's still in his father's house, yep. if you look at it from the course's point of view. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Wizard of Oz. I mean, Dorothy never left. I mean, she was just having this kind of giant hallucination <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that she had yeah, left. Yeah. And then she wakes up and she's in the bed and, you know, the prodigal son wakes up and he realizes that he's, he, he never left his father's house. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I was, I was at a seminar with Watnick way back when, and um, he was talking about Freud and, and he said something like, uh, we, Freud was pointing out that one of the reasons that we dream is is to keep us asleep mm -hmm. and and the way it does that um is that you know we we have these dreams where there's there's issues happening <laughs> perception of issues <laughs> and and those issues keep us stuck in the dream because we're trying to fix them mm -hmm. another way of saying we feel victimized in the dream because we don't know we're doing it to ourselves but we keep ourselves asleep so we can try to fix whatever it is and you know certainly uh and which means there's there's issues going on where we we feel like we're not getting what we should get or you know like sometimes i i, I have this recurring dream where i can't find my car where i'm still a mailman again and i don't know the route you know but there there's issues to be fixed and they just go on and on and on and on so in the prodigal son's case he he kind of like went all bad boy i mean he, he fell asleep and then he had this dream that he just turned into this bad boy and he did all these terrible things. And, and he was so obsessed with, with what he was doing that he was, he was afraid in that sense to wake up. Not, and he didn't even, oh yeah, the other thing was the prodigal son in that case, like Dorothy, they didn't know they were asleep. They didn't know, like everything they were seeing in the dream, they didn't know they weren't, they, I mean, it wasn't real vision. It was just stuff that was being made up in this sense of perception. Like, we don't know we're asleep. <laughs> we don't know we're, we're hanging on to these issues. So we don't realize we are our father's treasure. We don't realize we're still sitting in our father's home. And, and that's the experience that we're avoiding by staying preoccupied with these issues and it's just simply we're asleep thinking these things need to be fixed and we keep ourselves asleep by trying to fix them <laughs> or not fix them or blame somebody <laughs> but yeah i was just thinking why in the world would we not want to wake up and realize we are our father's treasure and we didn't go anywhere we're still sitting in our father's home right this second whether whatever's going on <laughs> Yeah, good points. Yeah, and I, I, I was thinking of dreaming of exile, you know, perfectly safe dreaming of exile. And then that, in the exile, we think we're in this, this you know, desolate country with all these issues and 
and you know we're starved, starved and thirsty creatures come to die, <laughs> and, and uh, we don't have to look too far to see examples of of you know the starvation and the thirst and the and you know the the the, the alleged uh, neediness, but but from the perspective of the dream, it seems really convincing, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, there's not a whole lot that you know it reaches the, the everyday news of our world that it doesn't have some kind of some kind of calamity, catastrophe, or or you know big deal issues that you know we our eyes and ears perk up. It's like wow, that's this is important, you know. So I just realized I want Jesus to write an executive order and make me wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with it. Just make me wake up, damn it! Write the order, <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you'll abide with that. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's another issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bruce, uh, let's see, Maya had a head. Oh, a okay, up. Maya. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm picturing an episode um, of uh, Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone, okay? And um, one day, the prodigal son is served papers at his apartment uh, saying that he is being put on trial, you know, for some terrible crimes. And he's very worried about it, but he, so he calls his defending attorney who happens to be the ego and he goes to court and the defending attorney's telling him, don't worry, it'll be fine. I'll, you know, get you a, a, a lesser sentence and all of that. Of course you committed the crimes, but don't worry about it. You know, I can take care of it. And then all of a sudden in a, in a twilight zoneian way, the um, prosecuting attorney comes in and guess what? He looks just like the ego. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. And then he realizes that his defending attorney is not his friend. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That just gave me the creeps like any good Twilight Zone story. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. really. Really. That's good. That's good. Exactly. Yeah, I as as what what you were sharing, Tim, I, I was kind of uh, flashing that uh, on the idea that you know that those little moments where we do um, see that that nothing happened, you know th those those little prodigal return moments, uh, I think help motivate us to 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 keep keep going, you know, and trusting more thoroughly with with the Holy Spirit's curriculum, because we see that you know in those moments we actually are a little bit more peaceful. It's like oh wow, you know, and and it does seem like we we've you know, woken up from the dream of the things that were big deals. Sort of like the, you know, we don't really solve problems. We just sort of outgrow them, you know, in a sense. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, I was just thinking too, um, that it, it's not so much that, we, I mean, the goal, especially in the course, isn't to wake up and realize we're still in our father's house, but the goal in the course is just to realize we're dreaming for, in the first place. Yeah. And that, you know, on some level we're aware we didn't leave our father's house. We're not awake yet. But we just know we're dreaming. We yeah. we know we don't have to be crazed about all these issues that we think are issues. Exactly. Yeah. One of the phrases that that, that reminds me of is that I find really helpful is to think of everyone, including myself, as the little wind-up toy. You know, <laughs> just do, doing these little or puppets or you know movie characters, dream figures. You know, what there's a lot of good metaphors in the course, but just you know something like that that reminds me that's like to not make such a big deal out of the things that seem to be big deals. And, but I need Holy Spirit's to help for that because on my own, I'm going to make big deals. 
out of everything. Yeah. Here's another quote that uh, Christina, oh, Christina, Christina, yeah, yeah. I was just going to share that um, these little instances, those little holy instances, are just it's by design of the course because um, to me, otherwise, I'd be just totally freaking out. Um, when I first encountered the course some years ago, I was like that. Uh, I was like, what is this? And I'm cracking up because I'm encountering this stuff. And, you know, I was about ready to heave it off my deck. It was just scaring me. And so I think that's the whole purpose is just to, that's the gentle awakening. Yeah. Just many, many just of to, us did just slowly wake us from the dream. Yeah. <laughs> many of us did heave it off the deck. We had to go get another book. <laughs> but if, if you do heave it off that deck, don't you find it in the garden later on when you're when you're down gardening or something? <laughs> no, it was in the grove. Oh, <laughs> the okay. Part okay. Where it was the grove. It was way out there. De decomposing more quickly. Huh? Yeah, okay. When when Helen was writing it, she said, "I never tried to lose anything more than this thing I was writing." <laughs> And she would leave it like on a subway station and then suddenly she'd be walking away. She didn't do it on purpose, like not consciously on purpose, but, but she'd be walking away and the person would run up behind her and go, oh, lady, lady, you left this on the subway. I mean, she couldn't, you know, she couldn't count the number of times she tried to forget where, you know, where, where she had it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I need, need to reread Absence from Felicity. That was in there, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, here, here's another quote from, this is from chapter two, uh, section three, paragraph three. Uh, this is pages 21 and 22. Okay, chapter two, section three, paragraph three, page 21. The acceptance of the atonement by everyone is only a matter of time. This may appear to contradict free will because of the inevitability of the final decision, but this is not so. You can temporize and you are capable of enormous procrastination. <laughs> Everybody should raise their hand here. Procrastinators unanimous unite, right? Uh, at least in terms of the course's material. But you cannot depart entirely from your creator who set the limits on your ability to miscreate. An imprisoned will engenders a situation which in the extreme becomes altogether intolerable. Tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. That's the, that's the sentence I, I boldface in that paragraph. Eventually, everyone begins to recognize, however dimly, that there must be a better way. As this recognition becomes more firmly established, it becomes a turning point. This ultimately reawakens spiritual vision, simultaneously weakening the investment in physical sight, or probably more accurately, the ego's interpretation of physical sight, right? The alternating investment in the two levels of perception is usually experienced as conflict, which can become very acute, but the outcome is as certain as God. So, you know, we've got our seatbelts fastened, so might as well enjoy the ride. <laughs> and even if there's a little turbulence now and then, the pilot assures us uh, we're going to be landing safely in uh, the end product of forgiveness if we just keep with it. So a, a few more comments. We first need to ask Holy Spirit's help in bringing our projections back into the mind where the problem and the solution can be seen together. 
getting past this outer shield of oblivion takes gentle, patient discipline and practice, practice, practice. In truth, we never left the heart of God, the mind of pure non-dual being, our true source. So it's, you know, we're the idea that never left its source. We're that prodigal dreamer that seems to believe that that, that happened. In our dualistic dreams, our projected world never left its made up source in ego mind. So that's the other, the other flip side of the ideas don't leave their source. Now we can, we can know on truth, we, we never left perfect oneness, but here's where rubber meets the road. And um, we get to look at the, the stuff in the world that we don't like, and we can use ideas leave not their source um, given to the ego as, as a mechanism for seeing the havoc that <laughs> that choice wreaks <laughs> in our, uh, our state of peace, right? Um, I actually make, Tim, I made some notes from some of the things you said over the weekend, and I'm going to paraphrase those, but I, I, there were a couple of things you said really struck me, and I, I think they'll fit with what we're talking about here. Um, the ego will tediously persist in whining and gossiping <laughs> about a seemingly endless variety of grievances, both obvious and hidden. Uh, these are just two weapons in ego's extensive arsenal of defenses against breaching the outer shield of oblivion. We just need to become sensitive to when we whine or gossip, you know, bear fal false witness against our brother or ourselves by listening to ego's separate self-propaganda. So anger is projected guilt. Ego spreads out guilt across the world and shouts the specifics or all important differences, justifying our attack so we don't uh, see the common theme, the common cause. The sameness in the mind that would unlock the undo program that the Holy Spirit would love to help us launch. We actually believe there are other minds, all part of the same mind, projected onto individual brains and that our brains is one of them, limited by what its feeble senses and rampant misinterpretations feed us. We have the audacity and arrogance to take ego's propaganda seriously without questioning its dark matrix of mandatory zombiehood. <laughs> anyway, just little, little ramblings there. Um, another thing that crossed my mind when I was thinking about ideas leave not their source is a book that I ran across a few decades ago, uh, just, just the, this one title of what's called the first law of seven hermetic laws is uh, the law of mentalism. This is from the Kabbalion published in 1912. It's a book of ancient hermetic philosophy. But I, I think this is probably the most important of these, these seven laws. And, and it just states simply the all is mind, the universe is mental. Sounds pretty coarse-like to me. <laughs> so we live in a mental universe, but we've convinced ourselves that we're limited to specific forms, constrained immortal bodies that exist in horrific, a horrific, horrific surreal world subject to time and space. So here's a, a quote that, that addresses that. This is now from chapter 11, section five, paragraph 18. It's on page 207. So this section before 11. You, uh, before you do yep. that, what, is, what does hermetic mean? Oh, uh, it's, uh, it alludes to Hermes Trismegistus, who is uh, uh, an alleged ancient sage who <laughs> supposedly uh, founded uh, alchemy, and, you know, which became chemistry and uh, Freemasonry and, and all kinds of arts and sciences. And you know, he invented writing and, and was also known by Thoth in the Egyptian pantheon and, and 
there's apparently a pretty pretty extensive legacy of, of lore about Hermes, but uh, and Hermes was like BC, way way BC then. Yeah, yeah, way way BC. Yeah, yeah. So I think probably the the uh, closest symbol would be Mercury and in the you know the like the Venus with the little uh, horns symbol. If you yeah, the, the wing messenger kind of thing. So it, it's it's associated with mind, which is appropriately enough. Uh, you know, Mercury is is the astrological symbol that's probably closely most closely related to the mind. But but you know, the, I think the important thing to, to take home for us course folk is is that right off the bat, you know, he was saying everything is mine. The whole universe is mental. Okay, if we get that, <laughs> we're we're a step ahead of the game, regardless of all the other esoteric stuff that that was in in that little book. But uh, anyway. We just thought that was worth bringing out that it's this has been around a while um but the course adds so much to that uh that uh, you know wasn't around uh, or at least maybe if it was it's been you know pushed aside but, but uh, abe, abe's got some abe yeah yeah it strikes me that the word mental you know in the case in the context of the world is is mental it has two meanings of the brain and insane. I mean, there's other both meanings apply here. Yeah, very good. Yeah, really. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> very mental sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's this quote from uh, chapter 11. And uh, every brother you meet becomes a witness for Christ or for the ego, depending on what you perceive in him. Everyone convinces you of what you want to perceive and of the reality of the kingdom you have chosen for your vigilance. Everything you perceive is a witness to the thought system you want to be true. Every brother has the power to release you if you choose to be free. So again, you know, just another one of countless places in the course that's a testament to the power of our minds and really that in the one remaining freedom as the prisoner of this world, of course, reminds us is, you know, to, to choose which teacher we can, we, we were either choosing the thought system of inclusion and, and shared interest and trusting Holy Spirit or that crazy <laughs> in the, in the use of the word use, used uh, Abe for mental, <laughs> the, the dark mental <laughs> version of it. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that wacko thought system. Yeah. Uh, let's see the next chapter, chapter 12, section seven, paragraph five. This is on page 230. If you skip ahead a few pages, a short, short one. So if, if you don't want to go there, it's just a quick one. You see what you expect and you expect what you invite. Your perception is the result of your invitation coming to you as you sent for it. So another example of, you know, ideas don't leave their source. Um, you know, all the things that seem to be outside are things that we we asked for. Maybe maybe not on a conscious level, but you know, we're 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 choosing one thought system or another. And so, the the storyboard uh, of the ego is on the level of form, the same storyboard as the Holy Spirit, but interpreted by the ego. It's it's one of martyrdom, victimhood, and you know, further <laughs> further suffering and. The Holy Spirit's um, translation is that I could see peace instead of this, that this can be a classroom of forgiveness where I see what the ego was going to tell me was this horrible thing that I need to be you know, upset about. And with that inner kindness teacher's help, I can, I can choose to see um, 
a peaceful peaceful translation. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one from chapter 18. This is page 385, chapter 18, section six, paragraph three. Minds are joined, bodies are not. Only by assigning to the mind the properties of the body does separation seem to be possible. And it is the mind, and it is mind that seems to be fragmented and private and alone. Its guilt, which keeps it separate, is projected to the body, which suffers and dies because it is attacked to hold the separation in the mind and let it not know its identity. And I, I, for some reason, that, that third sentence, the mind that seems to be fragmented and private and alone, that to me is, is right at the heart of the, of the course's metaphysics, that, that our, our real mind is the shared mind, the shared interest that, that uh, Ken Wapnick rightly points out, I think in the beginning of Journey Through the Manual, he says, you know, the two themes in, that, uh, in the manual are you know, trusting Holy Spirit and the shared interests and, and noticing that that if I can see my interest is the same as everyone else's um, and then trust the Holy Spirit in, in carrying that out, we've got the one two <laughs> the one two curriculum figured out there, right? So but that that shared interest is really what what says what this line three says, you know, the mind that seems to be fragmented in private alone and private and alone really isn't. Um, you know, minds are joined. And it's only when we uh, believe that guilt is possible that we believe we can have separate thoughts. So anything that seems to be a thought of, of loneliness or isolation or, or pick any ego emotion has got to be uh, something that we chose to make a separate thought in a separate mind in a, in a separate dream that didn't happen. <laughs> so. But, but we need help to, to see that, don't we? Yeah. And this is, before we go into another topic that Tim brought up over the weekend, I'm gonna read one more quote here. This is from chapter 19, section one, uh, paragraph 16. This is pages 401 in the text. So this is chapter 19, section one, paragraph 16. And page 401, let then your dedication be to the eternal and learn how not to interfere with it and make it slave to time. For what you think you do to the eternal, you do to you. Whom God created as his son is slave to nothing, being Lord of all along with his creator. You can enslave a body, but an idea is free incapable of being kept in prison or limited in any way except by the mind that thought it for it remains joined to its source which is its jailer or its liberator according to which it chooses as its purpose for itself so we we think <laughs> we think we can we can mess up the eternal but but only in dreams um but we're really slave to nothing in truth, you know, that because we really haven't left our our creator's mind, which is pretty staggering, <laughs> but so refreshing, right? Any thoughts on this so far? 
Um, one another thing that was it was a word that uh, was brought up this weekend. I thought was one that you know the two thought systems can take different ways and and do, and that's the word discipline. So I was thinking about you know mental discipline as freedom instead of punishment, for, you know, and, and um, it, right at the introduction to the text, uh, this is uh, in. in uh, or excuse me, introduction of the workbook, rather. This is on page one of the workbook. Uh, very short quote, so you don't need to go there. An untrained mind can accomplish nothing. <laughs> and I think the course, you know, as, as we start practicing more and more and, and really, you know, up, up, the, up our practice, uh, we notice how much more during the typical day, um, you know, we're not a piece. And, and at first that seems like, it, it, scary challenging thing but the more we notice that the more we realize that's actually a blessing because that gives us an opportunity to let holy spirit step in and, and help us make with the correction and see okay if i'm not at peace i could uh use the guidance that's available to me and allow that in allow that into my mind to see the choice for peace yeah. dave um, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but um, the, the word dis discipline comes from the word disciple. Uh-huh. And um, or same root anyway, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it um, it has to do with devotion. So it's it's really it has to do with you follow something because you love it. I like that. Not not <laughs> not because not not because it's being imposed on you. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Just, yeah. That that's really helpful, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. Because and and when we recognize that what we really love is our shared identity, which is what the Holy Spirit is leading us back to, um, then it's a, a joyous discipline to just watch our thoughts and say, "Wow." instead of beating myself up or, or suffering needlessly or going down a road of, of mental anguish of, of one sort or another, I can actually choose the teacher of kindness, the teacher of peace, the teacher of, of gently noticing when I'm not at peace and choosing otherwise and turn that silly habit around, right? Yeah. I want to whine a little about the word discipline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. If, if I'm already, if I'm already uh, innocent and everything's okay, why do I have to be disciplined to figure that out? <laughs> you know, I, I think it, it's like, I'm, I'm looking at the word from obviously from an ego point of view, and I'm looking for a little feedback gossip here. Like somebody <laughs> raised their hand Give me an amen. <laughs> or well, certainly in our, our our puritanical upbringing, we all get to, I'll answer Dave in a second. Um, it seems like we have plenty of examples of, of discipline that has certainly tainted and, and uh, spoiled the word for us, I would think, right? I mean, it just sounds like the horror of boot camp, you know? Well, like, yeah. Well, of course it does. Yeah. I mean, because all the connotations and that we typically come to mind is some kind of punishment, right? Some kind of sacrifice, some kind of punishment, and and yet, uh, I'm uh, another Richard Bach thing, you know. But you know, I'm going to paraphrase something he said in one of his books that I thought was kind of cool. This is, is like, you know, well, yeah. If you don't need to, if you don't want to learn to fly, then there's no discipline required. But once 
once you do, there's the laws of aerodynamics you need to learn and you, you, you need to learn how to do all these different things. And, and there's a discipline there, but, but once you get that discipline, you can fly, you know, you, metaphorically, you can be free, you know? So, so it's, it's the same kind of thing with, with the course is, you know, once we recognize that, that just letting our mind go to whatever <laughs> and noticing in a typical day, how often we do that. Uh, and, 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 you know, just really sort of being scientific about the results, you know, it's like when I, when I just kind of let my mind go wherever ego wants to take it, I'm going to have a pretty crappy day. <laughs> and just noticing that, you know, just the very, very gentle discipline of, of saying, okay, I'm going for that Holy Spirit tractor beam instead uh, and locking onto that. Um, the day seems to go better. You know, we, we don't seem to have as many uh, snags. Rebecca? Yeah, I do that with the word vigilance too. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, and it's, it's the same kind of idea. But I, but I realize that um, the, what's being asked of us in terms of vigilance and discipline in the course is the only thing that we're asked to do is to remember that um, we're not here and to remember that we have a choice at any given moment to choose a different teacher. Mm -hmm. The ego makes up this story about, oh, it's just too much work. It's this vigilance. It's too much. Well, it's too much to the ego, right. but it's actually quite simple. I yeah. don't know. I just needed to say that for myself because I do the same thing with the word vigilance. I hear it and I'm like, no, I don't want to be, you know, that's too harsh. We're not vigilant here. We're, we're being very gentle, you know, <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, vigilance and discipline are kind of related words, aren't they? So yeah, that, and uh, as you're sharing that, I was thinking how, you know, the, it's really sort of the courses, since the course is a not no curriculum, it's, it's asking us to just look at how much we don't want the ego's lessons, and, which simultaneously leads us to what Dave was talking about, how much we really do love uh, and are devoted to uh, the reality of what our being is. So, yeah, Dave? Yeah, Bruce, I think you just said how much we don't want the ego's lessons. And I think, I think if I understand what you were after was we don't how much we don't want the holy spirit's lessons well yeah yeah right right yeah I was, probably too many double negatives or whatever there <laughs> thanks <laughs> ross ross had something ross oh i was just thinking what we need to be vigilant for is that we have to be vigilant and disciplined to do nothing so yeah hard, how hard is yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, it's actually right. an undoing everything yeah. you're doing stop doing it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's what you're vigilant for. So really, it makes it a little easier when you go, oh, well, all that judgment, I could just stop that. All that specialness that I try to create by, you know, one-upping other people, I could just stop that. And it leaves you like nothing to do except be vigilant that you're not doing what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Along those lines, I, I was thinking about, you know, like, we, we disciplined ourselves over and over and over again to find guilt, guilt out there, not in here, avoid the in here. So we never see what the real source is. And we were good at it. We practice it every day, 24 seven, you know, I mean, it, we're, we're, 
it's a guilt maintenance plan. It's a guilt discipline plan mm-hmm. to, to see and find and, and the savage fantasy. I mean, and we trained ourselves to do that. And, and it was hard work. And, and it's, it's, it's a lousy payoff. I mean, it, we, we don't, yeah. I mean, the ego says it's salvation, but we know it's hell. So, I mean, it's almost like to undo that discipline, I have to do what, like, I think what Rebecca was talking about, and and certainly what I think Ross is talking about, I have to learn to undo that discipline. I have to be disciplined about undoing that that discipline. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, yeah. Which kind of ties into uh, early in the text somewhere, he says, you know, about the law of cause and effect. If I were to, you know, take that power that enormous power that you you're using to make up, you know, to discipline your mind to make up this crazy world away from you, I'd be undoing the law of cause and effect, uh, you know, most fundamental law there is, and 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 basically saying, you know, we we vastly underestimate how powerful our minds are because you know we we made up a whole universe to hide out from unconscious unfounded guilt. <laughs> so that, that's, that's no small feat. So, you know, like you, you've just all been saying, you know, it's like, that's, that's a pretty, pretty staggering uh, use of the discipline. So we just need to still use it, but become aware of the fact that we are using it, but use it for Holy Spirit's purpose instead. Yeah. So here's, here's uh, another paragraph that ties into that. I think pretty well, this uh, is uh, Bruce, Stephen add something. Oh, Stephen. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, um, I was I was kind of just uh, thinking about uh, Tim and his discipline thing, and you know, uh, Tim and I and a lot of us here are from the now generation, and the now generation that's that's when we wanted it. We wanted it now. We didn't want anybody telling us what to do. Uh, it's still that way in so many so many ways. Uh, we we weren't the most disciplined. You know, we broke away from from what was happening in the world. And you know, uh, give peace a chance and all that stuff. Uh, but you know, the course talks about this a lot. It's uh, you know, you're far too too tolerant of mind wandering. Uh, you better you better take a look at that and see you know see and you know the uh, it, it also says uh, resign is your own teacher. Um, it also says uh, in in the introduction to the workbook that uh, you have to change everything and everything everything you ever know known about the world your perception of it. Uh, Anyway, uh, and also, uh, um, I was just, uh, Tim, I, I guess I guess we got this from Watman, Tim, I don't know, but uh, this is an already course. It, it's already okay. You know, really, in, absolutely, in, 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 in reality, capital R, there's no discipline happening. I mean, discipline is, is useless, <laughs> you know, because uh, actually, in truth, me, this little Stephen, I'm totally irrelevant. You know, this is a seems to be course. I really like that uh, paragraph you chose because you know, in, in the manual where it's where it's about uh, where it talks about the Holy Spirit, that that section on Holy Spirit says uh, that Holy Holy Spirit seems to be a guide and seems to be a voice and seems to be whatever you need him to be. Um, and what that says is, this is just pretend. You know, we're, nothing's nothing's really happening. So in, in truth. The discipline thing's okay because whether we're disciplined or whether we think we're in the real world and walking around here, yeah, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah, you know, the the whole thing's like irrelevant. I'm sorry. 
but that's the way I read it. Thank you. Sure, sure. I, I think yeah. I think he was he was it was a bit of an understatement. I'm tolerant of mind wandering. I am highly trained in mind wandering. I am disciplined. I am a soldier from mind wandering. Tolerant, hell, I work hard at this. <laughs> <laughs> really, really. Yeah, I mean, 24-7, 365, we got a dynamo of, of un, you know, unimaginable staggering proportions fabricating an entire universe that re reflects our choice for sin, guilt, and fear. That's that's no small accomplishment. So, yeah, we mind-wandering? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think Lynn was trying to say something to these uh, Lynn, guys. Lynn, these yep. guys just keep going on and yeah. on. She's going to straighten the guys out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to uh, share about a place in the course where Jesus is, uh, he's, he's talking to us about um, death and, and resurrection and um, the fact that we prefer our, our individual death to our living oneness. And he says, the resurrection must compel your allegiance gladly. Mm. And it sort of speaks to our conversation about discipline. You know, we're not going to be able to whip ourselves into doing what we're supposed to do until we are really compelled, uh, you know, joyously mm. with what this is offering us. And yeah. then, it, then it becomes a, a, an, an effortless uh, Kind of thing. I think Rebecca was speaking to that idea too. Mm -hmm. That uh, yeah, yeah, there is that idea that we we do need to pay attention. But if we're fighting it, as Jesus says, don't fight yourself. If if we're fighting over it, it it's not helpful anyway. So why not uh, wait to where uh, our allegiance is um, is compelled uh, to follow? <laughs> yeah. Just a thought. Yeah, it's 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 sort of like what Dave was saying is you know when it becomes a, a devotion that we we yes. deeply look forward to yeah then yes. then it's it's like there's no effort that and that <laughs> that's the easiest thing in the world to do what you're passionate about if it's right. if it's truly from the heart yeah yeah exactly thanks yeah okay here's here's one from uh, chapter two uh, section six paragraph four. And that's on page 29, so chapter two, section six, paragraph four. Uh, the correction of fear is your responsibility. When you ask for release from fear, you are implying that it is not. You should ask instead for help in the conditions that have brought the fear about. These conditions always entail a willingness to be separate. At that level, you can help it. You are much too tolerant of mind watering. <laughs> there, there it is. And are passively condoning your mind's miscreations. The particular result does not matter, but the fundamental error does. And so it's not the form, it's always in the mind. The correction is always the same. Before you choose to do anything, ask me, if, aka Holy Spirit, if your choice is in accord with mine. If you are sure that it is, there will be no fear. So we just need to measure everything against the Holy Spirit's uh, head nod. <laughs> and if we get a... a, a Affirmative head nods, like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll entertain that thought, and otherwise, just, eh, maybe not. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll skip that one today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Commenter to on that. So the Holy Spirit discipline brings guiltless, happy freedom. 
and uh, you know, to the ego, discipline is punishment and imprisonment for unhappy guilt, for imagined sins made real only in a nightmare of separation, uh, separated minds and separated bodies. So we don't know we're invulnerable until we offer it to everyone we meet or think about. I think that was another thing that was mentioned over the weekend uh, that I thought was really good. <laughs> then I was listening to something that Jeff Siebert said in, in one of the, the weekly uh, uh, classes that I was listening to. Uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. The miracle takes us back to the mind where the real problem is. So I just like, like that idea. So that's, you know, the real problem, of course, as, as Stephen was saying, isn't a real problem, but where we think we're at, since the Course meets us where we think we're at, we think there's a real problem, but we don't know it's not a real problem until we ask Holy Spirit to, you know, bring that alleged real problem, put it on the altar of the mind, not, not try to deal with it on a level of form, you know, do what you need to do on a level of form, but, but, you know, when you get a chance, take it to the mind and ask Holy Spirit to, to do the uh, troubleshooting, <laughs> then, then it can work out. Um, I was also thinking about uh, another thing that crossed my mind over the weekend that I think is really kind of fits nicely with the ideas don't leave their source is the idea of a black hole in astronomy. If anybody's uh, taken an astronomy class, um, if you have a super massive, super dense um, uh, you know, star that becomes a supernova, and then it collapses usually into a neutron star. And then, then if it's if it's dense enough, it's big enough, it'll it'll collapse into what's called a black hole or a singularity that that is so dense that not even light can escape it. And and I thought, what a great metaphor for the ego. <laughs> it's a dream where light is forbidden from 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 being shared, from escaping. And there's even a thing called escape, you know, uh, an event horizon, which is basically a, a diameter in space where, you know, if, if a light or anything, you know, gets close enough to it, it just gets sucked into it and it disappears. So that's that's kind of like the ego thought system. It's there's this this whole realm of thought where if it's part of the ego's thought system, it just gets sucked in and and it it stays in that darkness. But again, it may be foolproof, but not godproof. And so, in some theories, you know, black holes may convert to supernovas in some other parallel universe. Who knows? But, but, but I think the idea, though, of of the idea of the nothingness of the darkness. Um, so I know I just made a couple of notes here in case it's helpful. Black holes imploding, supermassive, super dense nothingness resulting from the death of a supernova, uh, and then the gravity of of that, uh, you know, black star, dense star, what are you going to call it? Black hole. Uh, the gravity, aka seriousness, is so intense that not even light escapes. You know, um, and then uh, I was flashing back to something I heard a few years ago that um, this is uh, some colleagues, Nassim Haramein and Elizabeth Rauscher, uh, who was a, a physicist, uh, theorized that the entire year, the entire material universe might be a black hole, which would kind of fit the ego's use of it. <laughs> and every single particle in the universe could be a little micro black hole, um, which would kind of explain why, you know, from the from the ego's perspective, it's foolproof. The whole thing from top to bottom is is one giant vacuum of guilt. 
<laughs> sucking everything in and and capturing it into a into an, an abyss of guilt. But the Holy Spirit says, uh, <clears throat> "Pardon me, uh, this is a dream you're talking about here. <laughs> Not to worry." <laughs> and uh, anyway, so in case that's helpful. So ego's dark light doesn't leave its source. Uh, we're dreaming that we're inside the ego's event horizon, the limiting sphere where light can escape when we believe in separation. It's, it's really the belief in separation that maintains that black hole in the mind. You know? So to be free of anger, we need Holy Spirit's help to get back to the source, the projection of unconscious guilt onto a world of bodies that do uncaring, cruel, and merciless things within a dream. So we just need to look at all that stuff, realize that anything that we see that is upsetting is, is my projection. It's may seem to have a counterpart on the screen of, of the world, but the Holy Spirit says, keep reeling it back in, reel in that thought, get it back to the mind. You know, with my help, says Holy Spirit, uh, we'll look at it together. We have the lamp that will dispel the darkness and we'll see that nothing happened. And then we'll get to what Stephen was talking about. It's like, yeah, there's nothing to forgive. There's no need for discipline at that point. <laughs> yeah. But where we, where we think we are, we probably need, you know, a little more mind training for, for a little while. Yeah, yeah. But however long that takes. Yeah. So um, just just because I like doing the word count thing, uh, there's three or 730 instances of the word idea in the course and 228 instances of the word source. Uh, but there's only seven instances of um, ideas leave not their source or close variations of that. So um, uh, here's, here's a quote that kind of prefaces this. Uh, this is uh, chapter three, section six, paragraph three, page 47. Another short one I'm going to read quickly if you don't want to turn to it. You have no idea of the tremendous release and deep peace that comes from meeting yourself and your brothers totally without judgment. So that's kind of the Holy Spirit's use of ideas leave not their source. You know, when we when we are willing to toss the judgment of ourselves and each other's into the 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 recycle bin of the mind, um, peace is inevitable, right? <laughs> that's 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 where we're headed. Okay, and here's one. This is um, another another preface here. Uh, this is from chapter 13, section 2, paragraph 5. This is on page 240 in the text. 13, section 2, paragraph 5, page 240. In the calm light of truth, let us recognize that you believe you have crucified God's Son. And that's, you know, that's our undue curriculum. Right? You have not admitted to this, quote, terrible, unquote, secret because you would still wish to crucify him if you could find him <laughs> yet the wish has hidden him from you because it is very fearful and so you are afraid to find him you have handled this wish to kill yourself by not knowing who you are and identifying with something else you have projected guilt blindly and indiscriminately uh, sounds like a discipline problem, <laughs> but you have not uncovered its source. Uh, so it had the word source in it. And I thought, okay, this, that's the source. The source is always in the mind. For the ego does want to kill you. And if you identify with it, you must believe its goal is yours. So it's just kind of another one of the, the uh, no mince words uh, 
quotes from the course of, of which there are many, many, where he's just saying, you know, ego's insane. Its source is a fragmented mind that we made up and um, is idle. It's an idle, it's an idle thought system that has no traction. It's, its thoughts are still just sitting there doing nothing in the, the, the black hole of its abysmal, <laughs> silly thought system. <laughs> okay. So here's the seven instances of, of the phrase in the course of ideas leave not their source. Before you, before you go on, um, that, yeah. that paragraph, um, I've always wrestled with paragraph five, sentence two on page 240. Yeah. Sentence two, you have not admitted to this terrible secret because, not because it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And, and we think we did that in the past, but then he goes on, because you, you would still wish to crucify him if you could find him. Mm-hmm. So, so the, it, it's like, it's like, it, there's a sense of, on some level, we, we think we did this in the past that we crucified God's son. And then there's, I'm afraid to look at that because I'm afraid to see how murderous I am right this second. Is that what he's saying? Something like that. I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and no one wants to see how murderous their ego is as egos, but the Holy spirit, when we look at it with Holy spirit, it's like, okay, you might be trembling when you take his hand, but then metaphorically, but then when you look at it, it's like, like Stephen was saying, eh, nothing there. <laughs> but, but, you know, we might be trembling for a while, but, but the, uh, the reminder is that, you know, this will pass, you know, the, the, the challenges that seem to be, uh, you know, never ending um, will eventually go away. Not, not on a level of form, but in the mind, but that's the only place that, that we really can do anything about, but that, that is everything. Lynn? Alman? Um, yeah. I, part of what this is saying to me is, is really looking at, no matter how you slice it, the ego is always going to be about eliminating whoever we're projecting our um, guilt onto. Right. right. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it doesn't matter how um, nice you try to be or how understanding or how, um, you know, you try to find a way to look at everybody in a way that's inclusive. Uh If you're coming from the ego, you are wanting to get rid of everyone and everything else because with, without, you know, it's like they are, they are a threat to your very existence. And the reason you're doing that is because you really want to get rid of yourself. Bingo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Cause, cause that everything else really include includes the alleged self. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I, it's it's that projection of the self hatred that, and and so it's it's just coming back to that that place of really just being able to oh ask for the help to sit with that because mm-hmm. that's just I mean that's just it says it so clearly that the it's it's that self hatred for what I think I did and and that going back to the beginning when you read the prodigal son it's in the face of that thing that I think I did, I still remain the treasure. It's like that, that self that I think did all this is not what I am. I am the treasure. And so we sit with the, the desire to kill ourselves 
long enough to go through the fear of that to see the treasure, the light, the wholeness that lies behind that. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said, yeah. And and we just need to be patient with ourselves as we, you know, uh, see things that uh, are distressing and that, that push our buttons and say, okay, I must have been afraid of the love that's behind that, that the, the capitalist self that we all share, where the peace is, where that, that prodigal son has returned. Uh, if I can remember that's what's behind that, uh, then and with, then with Holy Spirit's help, I can, I can sit with the stuff that seems to be the, this impossible challenge and see that it has had no effect on our eternal being. Yeah. It reminds me of a lesson 93 when he says, you know, if you really looked inside and saw how terrible you were, you'd kill yourself. <laughs> well, he says you crush your own head like a snake <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it's bad. It's a, it's a rotten lesson. Jesus really didn't mean it. <laughs> he, he told me he, he had a bad day that day. <laughs> and then, and then he said, and then you, but then even if you tried to kill yourself, you go and live it anyway. Yeah, realizing yeah. you couldn't even take yourself out there's, there's the zombie part right yeah 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 well but but you know as as black hole denizens you know we're kind of zombies on this little black hole dream thinking that we we pull this off and it's pretty dark sometimes in our, in our black hole you know uh <laughs> whoville uh, dust boat because <laughs> because that's about the size of according to physics that's the Black hole has, occupies no space, but has, you know, enormous mass, you know, but that's, that's kind of like, there really is nothing to all matter in truth. And everything that we think matters in the dream doesn't, you know, so matter doesn't matter. <laughs> but the mind is where we undo it with, you know, we go from the, the foolproof uh, ego dream of, the black hole where things seem pretty dark, like lesson 93 to the Holy Spirit's gentle. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we, if we did that all at once, you know, we would be plunged deeper into fear as, as he says in the course, you know, we, we, that would freak us out. So we, that's why we just need to forgive little bits of things in our world at a time and be patient and gentle with ourselves as, as we say, Oh yeah, I was afraid of that. The love that, and the peace that was behind that uh, irritation or that annoyance. And then a little by little, we just get, a, you know, uh, it's a little, it becomes a little easier, a little quicker every day to catch ourselves uh, going to those places in the mind that, that don't work. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. I'll read another one of these. Um, yeah, we read that one. Okay. Um, so here's, here's, one of the ideas leave not their source quotes. This is chapter 26, um, par section section seven, paragraph four, 2674, and this is on page 554, 554 in the text. Perception's laws are opposite to truth, and what is true of knowledge is not true of anything that is apart from it. Yet has God given answer to the world of sickness, which applies to all its forms, God's answer is eternal, though it works in time where it's needed. Yet because it is of God, the laws of time do not affect its workings. 
it is in this world, but not a part of it, for it is real and dwells where all reality must be. Ideas leave not their source and their effects, but seem to be apart from them. Ideas are of the mind. What is projected out and seems to be external to the mind is not outside at all, but an effect of what is in and has not left its source. I kind of get flashes of, you know, like all the, the coolest um, virtual reality films you can you can put together and, and, and then surpass that is like, you know, the, the matrix of the mind. Sometimes, it, you know, I, I click on this, you know, and, and, and click into this idea. It's like, wow, everything, you know, when we really let this sink in, everything, the entire world, it really does just exist in our mind. We, we made the whole thing up. And it's pretty staggering when you let that sink in. Uh, here's another one, also from 26, same section. This is now uh, paragraph 12 and 13. Let us consider what the error is so it can be corrected, not protected. Sin is belief attack can be projected outside the mind where the belief arose. Here's the firm conviction that ideas can leave their source made real and meaningful. And from this error does the world of sin and sacrifice arise. This world is an attempt to prove your innocence while cherishing attack. You are meaning at the expense of everyone else, obviously. Its failure lies in the fact that you still feel guilty, though without understanding why. <laughs> hmm, oh, the guilt lover never left my mind, but but I, why am I still so why am I still guilty? <laughs> I thought I gave it away. I thought thought. I threw it over the fence into my neighbor's yard, but it keeps coming back. Effects are seen as separate from their source and seem to be beyond you to control or prevent or to prevent. What is thus kept apart can never join. And then it goes on. Cause and effect are one, not separate. God wills you learn what has always been true, that he created you as part of him. And this must still be true because ideas leave not their source. Such is creation's law that each idea the mind conceives but adds to its abundance never takes away. This is as true of what is idly wished as what is truly willed because the mind can wish to be deceived but cannot make it be what it is not. So obviously he's talking about our egos wish to deceive and to, to, to thrive in the darkness and stay hidden. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit just says, yeah, a little gentle vigilance, a little gentle discipline to just watch the mind. And we can, we can get all those little, uh, little cockroaches <laughs> out into the open and watch them vaporize. Yeah. And to believe ideas can leave their source is to invite illusions to be true without success. For never will success be possible in trying to deceive the Son of God. And uh, let's see. Here we go. There is no world apart from what you wish. And herein lies your ultimate release. Change but your mind on what you want to see. And all the world must change accordingly. Ideas leave not their source. <laughs> this central theme is often stated in the text and must be borne in mind if you would understand the lesson for today. It is not pride which tells you that you made the world you see and that it changes as you change your mind. And let's see, I think I'm kind of running out of time. So I'm just going to skip over to... Um, oh, 
I was just in terms of that I, ideas leave not their source. In another one way of saying it is, um, dreams leave not their source too. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I, and and certainly in chapter twenty-seven, you got you got the the secret dream, which generates the the seeming waking waking dream. So, mm-hmm. yep, we have the secret dream of the wrong mind, um, and that dream generates a dream within it, if you will. Mm-hmm. The, the entire seeming universe of time and space. It, are there models for that in in time and space? I mean, a dream within a dream, you know what I'm saying? I mean, do you see... In terms of like physics and stuff? Yeah. Um, maybe. Uh, I know I know a movie that, that deals with that, and that's Inception, if anybody hasn't seen yeah, it. Inception. I was thinking of, yeah, right. Yeah, that dreams within dreams within dreams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know, I'll have to keep my... Ears and eyes open. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, there's, Abe, there's Abe, Abe has. Oh, Abe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in, in nature, there are many things that are fractal and fractals are things that patterns that repeat themselves on multiple scales from the little tiny scale to the maximum yep. scale. So that's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So nested, nested division. Nested belief and division, huh? <laughs> Hierarchical fragmentation, yeah. And Dave. And Dave, okay. Um, He's waving. <laughs> get my flashlight. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, lesson 19 uh, uh, in Ken, Ken's uh, lessons one through 60 had a really good thing on on ideas leave not their source. If I could just read oh, sure. Please uh, do. Two, two short paragraphs. <clears throat> As an analogy, whatever you see on a movie screen is nothing but a film and the projector that is projected out. Yet what is on the screen never left its source, the film running through the projector. To expand on that analogy, what is on the film um, is what the script writer, director, producer, actors, and actresses wanted to be on the film. Therefore, once it is there, it will be projected and seen on the screen as if it were on the screen. Shifting to our lives, we as the decision maker are the writer, producer, director, not to mention the people starring in it. The film is exactly what we have chosen, precisely, so we could, see, so we could and would see it on the screen. People would not go through the trouble of making a movie if they did not want others to see it. And if we did not react to movies as though they were real, we would not go to see them. Yeah, yeah. Great metaphor, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the movie is such a wonderful metaphor. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> there, there's a couple other places that, uh, since we're kind of running out, I'll just mention lesson uh, 132 and lesson 167, both of the ideas leave not their source. That's 132 and 167, if you want to read those later. Um, and that they all kind of fit together. I thought what I'd do for a closing meditation, though, is, is read um, just a little bit of Lesson 156, which kind of ties into that the prodigal, and the, the Holy Spirit's use of <laughs> ideas not leaving their source. And that's uh, what Lesson 156 is, I walk with God in perfect holiness. So I'm just going to read the first couple of paragraphs. And then we can be quiet for a moment. Today's idea but states the simple truth that makes the thought of sin impossible. It promises that there is no cause for guilt, and being causeless, it does not exist. 
It follows surely from the basic thought so often mentioned in the text, ideas leave not their source. If this be true, how can you be apart from God? How could you walk the world alone and separate from your source? We are not inconsistent in the thoughts that we present in our curriculum. Truth must be true throughout if it be true. It cannot contradict itself, nor be in parts uncertain and in others sure. You cannot walk the world apart from God because you could not be without him. He is what your life is. Where you are, he is. There is one life. That life you share with him. Nothing can be apart from him and live. So just meditate on that for a few moments. Okay, thank you all. And let's, let's all go out and remember that we're ideas that haven't left their source. <laughs> we're all God's treasure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Daddy's treasure. <laughs> all right. We're all the whole enchilada, yeah. All right, that was a ride. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> Thanks. Bruce. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you. Really good class. Thank you. Good to see y'all. Love you.